Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What is up? Happy Saturday morning to you. Trying to kick off another weekend. Can you believe it, man? Moving through. Pat yourself on the back, man. You made it to the end of the week. It was a wild one. Usually for me, it just like blows right on by and it's a blur and I don't remember half of it anyway. So I don't know if that's the same way with you either. But man, we have a lot to talk about today going on across the state of Kansas and the Mid-America region. It's been a crazy time. We are the heartland. We are where most of the awesome trends of the world start right here, baby. That's what it's all about. Welcome into it. This is Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier. On Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD, 4 on the FM dial. If you have that HD radio, also our friends out in Garden City, 1240 KIUL. Great to have you with us as well this morning. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on our Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. If you would like to jump on the show, we would love to hear from you. I have a lot we need to cover because even during the off election season, although we are getting into a general election in November, there is still some politics floating around, especially in Topeka. And our lovely, wonderful governor, Kansas uh, Governor Laura Kelly, we'll get to her here in just a little bit. Bottom of this hour, we have Mae Mailman. She is the senior fellow for the Independent Women's Law Center. We've had her on the program many times before. If you remember, during our legislative session here in Kansas, she was one of those that was very involved in writing our SB 180. That was the Women's Bill of Rights. Now, for those that may not have been paying attention lately, our Women's Bill of Rights, known as SB 180, is under some massive legal suits right now because Governor Kelly apparently just doesn't want to abide by it. It was vetoed by her. It was overridden by our Republican legislature, and therefore it is now law in the state of Kansas. But according to Governor Kelly, it is up for interpretation on how we get to enforce said law, which is... What Democrats typically like to do is try and find the uh, the nice little loosey-goosey laws for their interpretation and go about it. But the law essentially says that we are defining individuals based on their biological gender, either male or female. And we do it for governmental purposes, for health purposes, so doctors exactly know who you are and what your body type is so they can treat you properly. They also need to know for survey reasons, for governmental purpose reasons, for tax purpose reasons. Andy, why does it matter on your taxes? Well, it matters when we have grants for individuals that are certain skin colors or minorities or different genders. If you're a woman, you get different perks as a business owner. But apparently men want that too because they feel very left out. So they have to pretend to be a woman in order to get those perks for that government program or for those business perks as well. So with that being said, the government needs to know what your biological gender actually is. However, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly not too happy about that so she's been fighting that legally she apparently gets to have her voice in court to defend her position saying that no no we can still change the gender on your state issued ids like your driver's license because well that's it it doesn't specifically say you can't in that sb 180 that women's bill of rights so therefore we have the ability to do so doesn't make a whole lot of sense but that's what's going on in court right now the reason i bring this up again 
is because just recently down south of us here in the great state of Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt has done the same thing. Although it was not passed in the legislature, it was signed by executive order by the governor. And now that one getting some scrutiny as well with their latest Women's Bill of Rights in the state of Oklahoma. That one going to court as well. And everybody all up in arms fighting legally on a very commonsensical, rational, reasonable conversation that is something like a biological gender that some apparently don't like. So we'll talk about that with May Mailman coming up at the bottom of the hour. Don't miss that one. Also, hour number two, it's been a while since we've had him in studio. Actually, I think the last time we've had him on was directly after the elections last year. But happy to have on Cedric County Commissioner Ryan Beatty. We'll have in studio with us to talk about some county issues going on within Cedric County. So, big show lined up for you for the next couple hours. So, strap in, buckle up, let's have some fun. And it is open lines to you at 316-721-8255. Before we get into any of the politics, though, I have to talk probably the most important story that you'll hear all day. I'm dead serious. The most important thing that you'll have to hear all day probably all weekend, definitely all week long, this is going to be the survivalist news for you to be able to take care and handle whatever may come your way, because I'm telling you, it's coming soon, and it's coming to a city near you. (laughs) Andy, what do you mean by that? Here's exactly what I mean by that. Uh, According to the Topeka Capital Journal, Kansas has been part of a new nationwide survey, and the new nationwide survey talks about the survivability and the ability for you to be able to handle a UFO invasion. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Oh, yes. Now, you know my stance on this. I 125% believe in the UFOs and the aliens coming in. In fact, the government's already admitted it to us just uh, in a very way that uh, they try and call us a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists, but they've openly admitted it. So, that being said, let's say, theoretically that we have a UFO invasion across the nation, across the globe. The aliens come down, start shooting their laser beams, abducting people left and right, taking over the lands because, well, why not? I don't think that's going to be the case. I have my own theories on that, but we'll set those aside for just a moment. According to the latest survey, Kansas ranks 15th across the nation, done by a survey by the New Jersey Casino, an online marketing company for New Jersey casinos, that ranks states looking at certain resources that would help them survive during a potential alien invasion. Now, I use this not for the actual alien invasion part of this, but I want you to think about it from the stance of, let's say, I don't know, China tries to invade us. A red dawn happens from China or from the Russians or from the Ukrainians, even though we're giving them billions upon billions of dollars. Think about it from that manner. Or you can think about it from the alien invasion as well. It's really up to you. According to the Topeka Capital Journal, casinos, uh, the New Jersey casino, NJ Casino, published its survey results uh, from David Grush, a former intelligence official, that said that he has classified information about the government's stories uh, storing, quote, intact and partially intact non-human aircraft. At the same time, if you remember, during the hearings, they also said that they have biologics, which is the biology of things that were non-human as well, that were actually the pilots in driving these non-human-made UFOs. That happened, and no one's talking about it. So here we go. NJ's casino survey identified Virginia is the state best prepared to withstand an invasion from space. As it looked like uh, the equipped deal to the close encounter with Nevada, with home to Area 51, uh, what has long been subject to the UFO conspiracy. 
uh, being, I guess, so far away, Kansas has a survivability score of 7.4 compared to the 8.4 from Virginia. So ranking number 15 nationwide with that survivability score of 7.4, saying that the Sunflower State finished in the upper third due to the plenty of soldiers that we have across the state to protect it and above average number of caves in which to hide in. I didn't know we had any caves. I mean, I know we have some, but I didn't know we have a lot of caves. Where are they? Can someone please tell me where the caves are across the state of Kansas? I don't know where they are. NJ Casino determined ratings using a point-based index calculator using metrics uh, based on a population density, number of UFO sightings, the presence of forests and caves, food manufacturing data, and the presence of medical professionals, scientists, engineers, military members, and law enforcement officials across the state. Kansas, having home to Fort Riley and Fort Leavenworth, ranked fifth nationwide with military force with a 10.9 active or reserve military member per 1,000 people. That makes me feel better. I like that. The only state that finished higher with Kansas in terms of per capita military force was Hawaii at 35.98, along with Alaska, Virginia, and North Carolina. Going underground, the Sunflower State also benefited according to the results, saying that it tied 11th nationwide for the number of caves as we ranked uh, having 11 caves, the same as Arkansas. Kansas has more earth, uh, ranked, I'm sorry, ranked 11th nationwide, having more than 800 caves across the state, according to the Kansas Geological Survey. And what places did we not do so well in the state? Kansas ranked overall by hitting its low percentage of land covered by forest, which makes it very difficult to actually hide. Kansas also ranked number 26th nationwide with the amount of UFO sightings per capita with 3.1 per 10,000 people. Where are these UFO sightings? Because I've been looking for one again, have not been able to find one myself, but I know it's going to happen relatively soon. Topeka's most recent UFO sighting was reported to have taken place in October of 2022 when a triangular formation of white lights was seen present in the sky for 15 to 20 minutes. Did we even know about this? This happened last year, a year ago, and no one's talking about this. In October 22nd of 2022, well, there's not some numerology for you there if you look into it that way as well, where a triangular formation of white lights was sitting there for 15 to 20 minutes and then, boom, disappeared. The first UFO reporting came from Topeka in 19, or I'm sorry, 1897, when hundreds of people reported seeing a bright red light moving through the sky above the capital city. So there we are. We are ranking relatively decently nationwide if we ever have UFO invasion and we rank apparently 15th in the nation for or I'm sorry 25th for UFO sightings across the nation if you've seen one let me know and where were you because we need to find one here on Kansas talk it is going to be our goal to try and find a UFO sighting across the state of Kansas and by golly we will record it we will document it and we will be awesome at being able to track down and find the UFOs in preparation for the invasion. There we go. That's the story of the day. The big one. You'll never have another important story like that across the rest of the week for you. 316-721-8255. talk I know it's difficult because obviously we have the Air Force Base, so therefore we have a lot of things flying around our area already, but maybe that's why we see some sightings around here is because either we just think it's something that it's really not and it's something that's completely explainable or they're using that to their advantage to try to distract us so that way they can't be seen or recognized in our skies around the area, especially in the Wichita area. So come on, baby. Let's find something. I'm ready for it. Let's do our UFO sightings across the state of Kansas. I'm ready. Even out in Garden City. If you guys see one, man, you let me know. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. 
Let me know when and where you've seen it. We will make a special trip out. Maybe we need to do a Candace Talk UFO sighting party some night on a weekend to try and scout out these things. It's going to happen. I got connections, man. We'll figure out a way to make this happen. All right. We got a lot to talk about. We'll actually get into some politics here in just a moment. Candace Governor Laura Kelly trying to alter and manipulate the Republican Party. We have that. We have the uh, Women's Bill of Rights in Kansas and in Oklahoma under scrutiny. We'll get to all of it, plus your phone calls as well as we continue to move through Kansas Talk as we start off another weekend. Can you believe it, man? It's already a Saturday, and it is already going to be a nice, warm, beautiful one. Maybe not the 100-degree temperatures, which I'm totally okay with. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talk for KQM. Stay here. Do it here on Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talk for KQAM. Thanks for joining us today for a Saturday morning. So, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly taking advantage. Remember, Democrats never let a crisis go to waste, man. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly right back at it with trying to alter, manipulate, and take advantage of the weak state that the Republican Party is in here in the state of Kansas. As you know, and I don't want to focus a lot of time on it again because it is a bit frustrating, but right now, according to some Republican leaders, they say they are still confident in the party and when it comes to their fundraising. But the latest financial reports from the state's Republican Party show that we had right around $6,000 in our state coffers. Now, that's pretty dramatic when just about a year ago or so we had close to $100,000 in our state coffers with the promise with the new state Republican chair, Mike Brown, that we would have close to $3 million by this point or at least going into the election cycle for 2024. So if that is the case... We got a ways to go. I received their email because they send out a, a weekly or a monthly email or whatever. I, I received their email yesterday where they had an individual writing about needing party unity and trying to come together. And I'm all for that. We need the party unity. Absolutely. But the party unity needs to happen in some commonsensical manners where we're going down the right direction to actually grow the party. And some of the decisions that were made about trying to change up the makeup of uh, some of the committees within the Republican Party probably wasn't the smartest thing to do and uh, I think really hurt the party, which is why we're seeing so low of donations going into the state parties. Now, again, that's I'd like to reiterate that that's not considering the county parties because while the county parties work as the uh, under the umbrella of the statewide Republican Party, the state or the county parties may have some better money coming in, working more at a local level, which would be a very positive thing to be happening for them. And I really hope that they're in a good position so that way we can handle things at a local level again as well. That being said, with the concerning state, we'll just put it that way, that the state Republican Party is in right now in Kansas, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly trying to take advantage of it. Never let a crisis go to waste, which is what Democrats always love to do. As according to the latest headlines uh, that came out earlier this week, Governor Kelly has now formed a new super PAC uh, called the Middle of the Road PAC that's focusing on trying to elect moderate Republicans and Democrats across the state in 2024. Now, she always tries to play she's the middle of the road governor. She's not, but she tries to be that. That's what she tries to tell us. 
And this is the latest move in recognizing that Democrats have a very little chance, even with the state Republican Party being in shambles, that realizing that Republicans still have an overdominance in the state legislature while we have a super majority. Now, it's still very difficult for us to actually get Republican things done because Democrats have recognized this for a while. They're not dumb, that dumb. And they recognize that it's going to be difficult to get a Democrat majority in the state legislature. So why not put an R in front of your name and be the quote-unquote moderate Republican? And how can you weed them out? Well, it's very easy. You just look at the Republicans that vote against Republican bills. Lowering taxes, cutting government spending, more government transparency, more focus on the private sector, less just one-time check bailouts. When they start voting for that stuff, if they vote against school choice, then you have a good idea. If they vote against women's rights, then you have a good idea. If they vote against Second Amendment issues, you have a pretty good idea that they're probably the Democrat in disguise. And we do absolutely have a few of them, which is why right now, with the number of Republicans that we have in there, if they were all actual conservative Republicans, then we should be able to pass a piece of legislation, know the Democrat governor is going to veto it, and then very easily pass it again with a veto override with all the Republicans uniting together. Doesn't always happen, though. In fact, it's very difficult for that to happen, which is why we're still trying to battle school choice and school vouchers in the state that we've tried to do for years, even during the Brownback administration, even prior to the Brownback administration. We've tried to pass something like that, and it's been difficult. But now with Kansas Governor Kelly starting this new pact, it is just another way for them to try and take advantage of the weak state that the state Republican Party is in to try and bring in some moderate candidates, which means next year we're going to see some interesting challenges to some races. Now, I'm not saying they're all going to be bad because we have some really awesome candidates that are jumping in to try and challenge some of the moderates that are currently in there, and we'll have some announcements. Actually, uh, we have an announcement in two weeks from now. Not going to tell you what, not going to tell you who, but we have a really exciting announcement uh, with some candidates coming on the show to announce their race for it next year and what's going to be happening because there are going to be some changes, some reformations, some manipulations of the state legislature on both the House and the Senate side that I am really excited about. So Republicans are on the move, and I don't talk about the distress of the state Republican Party as a negative thing completely, although that doesn't help the situation, but Republicans at the grassroots level candidates themselves, you the voters the yourself, you guys are actually making it happen and we have some really good momentum going into next year. I just wish the state Republican Party would be there to help out a little bit more than what they really are because they seem to be making it more difficult with their own obstacles than actually making it easier for us to get the stuff done that we really need to get done. But the middle of the road pact, if they could win, just theoretically here, if Democrats were able to swing, let's say, three, four, five of the seats in the legislature, either in the House or the Senate, to a more moderate candidate, focusing on areas like Johnson County, like Shawnee County, even right here in Sedgwick County, although that's going to be difficult because we have a pretty good stronghold here, and our county Republican Party is really solid, and hat tip to everybody that's running the county party right now making stuff happen. And a lot of our elected leaders, our uh, legislative officials, our Senate president, our Speaker of the House, our pro tem speaker, they're all in the South Central Kansas region from Wichita to El Dorado to Derby to all around this area. Even the chairs of many of the committees are right here in the Wichita area. We're kind of dominating the politics statewide right now in South Central Kansas, which is very, it's awesome. I love it because we have full 
uh, uh, ability to reach out to them and have them come on the show anytime. And uh, we are really kind of guiding the state in the right direction. But if they focus on Johnson County and Shawnee County and those areas up near the Kansas City area and even the Topeka area, and they start swinging those just a little bit more moderate, then guess what? Already the difficulties that we have trying to get any legislation done in the state right now, knowing we're going to get blocked by a Kansas governor that's a Democrat who despises Republicans, and while she pretends to be Miss Moderate, we know that she's really not Miss Moderate. Oh, yeah, I'm totally moderate. Yeah, totally. It's common sense that men shouldn't be playing in girls' sports in the state of Kansas, but yet I'm going to veto the bill that makes that illegal for that to actually happen because she can say one thing, but her actions speak louder than her words. And as she forms a pact to try and go, quote-unquote, middle of the road, it's, again, a nice little phrase for them to be like, oh, we're totally trying to bring it back to the center. We're not quite sure what the center is, but we're going to bring it back to the center. And when we bring it back to the center, that just makes it easier for us to stop the Republicans from overriding the things that I do because this year we overrode more vetoes from a Democrat governor than we've ever had to override in decades in the state of Kansas. And she's not too happy about that. This is her retribution from what Republicans did this last session. And she wants to change that. And we're strong, but the state party, eh, struggling just a little bit. We'll do some more of this when we come back here. It's bottom of the hour news right around the corner. Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM Station. right here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Also, our friends out in Garden City, 1240 KIUL as well. Big Talker out in Western Kansas, really covering the entire lower half of the state, plus all of our listeners that we do have up in the Topeka area, Kansas City area. You guys are awesome as well. Always love you to death. We're really statewide. We just need to get, maybe, you know what, maybe we need to get another radio station or two up in that area so that way we can just cover the entire state talking about these issues. Governor Kelly trying to move forward with uh, corrupting this Republican Party, trying to alter it, manipulate it, realizing that they don't have a cause to win when they have a D in front of their name. It's very difficult for them to actually win unless you're in certain areas of the state. Now, that's not saying that the demographics aren't changing a little bit in the Kansas City areas. Things begin to expand and it's a little concerning as they continue to expand. And as you know, the more population means that more people continue to lean a little bit more towards the blue side of the aisle. And uh, right now we're still okay, but it could be a cause for concern. Will Kansas start being more purple? And honestly, I, we could make the argument that we really are. We have a supermajority of Republicans in the legislature, but it's difficult to get a Republican in the governorship for whatever reason, but the rest of the government's all Republican, but how Republican are they? How Republican are you? Is the big question. And it's an ongoing battle that we continuously have to have. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit because, as you know, one of the things we were able to work on, with the help, by the way, of a couple Democrats themselves as well, was SB 180 with our Women's Bill of Rights here in the state of Kansas, currently under litigation. But now we go down south of the border to the state of Oklahoma where Governor Kevin Stitt down there, we need to get him back on the program because he's done some interesting things the last couple months. 
uh, down in Oklahoma. But he did sign his executive order on their own Women's Bill of Rights that's now under scrutiny and litigation down there. How dare you try to define a male and a female, uh, male and female, based on biological sex? They don't like that. That makes them a little angry. So... We sat down just yesterday with uh, May Mailman. We've had her on the program before because she has been a very intricate part of helping craft the litigation or the uh, the piece of legislation here in Kansas and down in Oklahoma for the Women's Bill of Rights. She's with the Independent Women's Law Center as one of the senior fellows down there. We sat down with May to talk about the latest out of Oklahoma, the litigation here in Kansas, and more. And this is what she had to say. Hey, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. So good to chat with you again. It's wild. We talked about this just a, a couple months ago after Kansas ended up passing our Women's Bill of Rights, our, our SB 180. Now we see Oklahoma doing the same thing and Governor Kevin Stitt signing their bill. Massive backlash in the state of Oklahoma from the other side of the aisle. Kind of ironic. It, it's pretty incredible because the Women's Bill of Rights should be championed by everyone, but certainly all women, and it is a compromise bill. It doesn't have anything negative or bad about anybody. It basically says that women exist. Women exist. And then because of that, uh, lawmakers in Oklahoma can decide what they want to do with that. And, um, and you know, we hope that they will continue to preserve women's spaces. But why is there so much vitriol and why is it considered to be anti-trans to recognize that women exist? I think that's a, a real big problem we have in this country. Yeah, it's a big problem because it's it just the little things. It's no longer pregnant women. It's a pregnant person. It's no longer breastfeeding. It's chest feeding. It's it, I've never seen such terminology before that, like you said, is just erasing women from society. This is coming from the progressive side where the women's march started, where the women's, you know, the progressive movement started, the the women power and, and being able to do anything that a man can and trying to come into society to actually make their place in society, which is an important part. But now the feminists, they're kind of caught between the rock and the hard place here, aren't they? Between their progressive side saying, well, I support the movement and I want people to be inclusive at the same time, you're kind of removing my entire identity right now. Right. I think that people on the left side of the aisle, if they're being honest, they're with us, right? They want to continue to have women's private spaces. They want to continue to have sororities. They think that women prisoners should be housed separately. They think that when you're collecting data about women, like how are women's test scores doing as compared to men? They want to collect on bio biology. They want to protect maternal health, meaning for women. They want there to be uh, special protections for pregnant women. I mean, I think that the left side of the aisle, they also believe in women's sports. They really do. And here's the problem, though. I think it's two things. One, you've got a very far left progressive wing that's very vocal. And they those are the people who end up living in the New York Times and CNN all the way down to local news. Uh, print outlets. So, you know, that's one problem is just an elitist, progressive group governing the media. And then the other thing is women are too nice. Women are so nice and we just, we don't want to say anything that's going to end up irritating somebody. So we just keep our mouths shut and we let it be the Bud Light incident where all of a sudden now you're affecting men, you've irritated men, and then that's where you get some pushback. But I'm telling women, you just it's not mean, it's not rude, it's not anti-trans, it's not hateful. 
to say that there is something unique and biological about who I am. I should not be scared of saying that. I, I have suffered some injustices because of it, and I've gotten a lot of benefits because of it, and I'm special and unique. It's that, that is perfectly, you're perfectly entitled to say it. Exactly. And you should be proud about that and embrace something like that, that you are specifically unique as are men. And together, the wild concept here is that the male and the female, the masculine and the feminine, they don't try to compete to do the same things, but they unite each other in order to make a whole, which is the whole point in the concept of basic biology here. It's weird though, because it's kind of a topsy-turvy world where now where many states, Oklahoma and Kansas, I know Oklahoma did it through executive order with the governor, but with us passing it in the state of Kansas as well with our Women's Bill of Rights, that now it's been turned around saying that Republicans and conservatives that are doing this are now the tyrants, are now the dictators using big government to involve themselves in the bedroom when it's, I mean, this is kind of the narcissist, let's uh, blame someone for our own problems here, isn't it? I mean, this is, the, the, to, for them to blame us as the tyrants here, I find kind of comical. Right. So you win a democratically a, a, a process, you become governor of a state, you win the majority of the Kansas House and the Kansas Senate, a law through the democratic process, you go through the veto process, right? You just like follow the how you know how people vote you pass a law you do the democracy and then all of a sudden you're being accused by people who sit there and sent as you know in kansas white powder that had rat poison in it to elected officials that's somehow more democratic and better for our society is to threaten people with poison than to just pass laws and get elected governor yeah yeah, it is a very scary world out there. We're talking with May Mailman, Senior Fellow for the Independent Women's Law Center. I know that a lot of these are going to be challenged in court, but from your perspective, either in the state of uh, Kansas here, where right now we're having our battle with the Attorney General's office on actual driver's licenses and being able to change your gender on your license, where the governor's ignoring the new law and just telling the Department of Revenue, yeah, you can still go ahead and change your gender. We don't need to know your basic biology, even though that's literally what the law says. With this passage now saying that government entities need to know your biological gender for, I don't know, medical purposes or whatever it may be. These are all being challenged in court. Obviously, this one in Oklahoma is being challenged in court as well. Are there courts that would actually pick this up and rule in favor of these LGBTQ groups, or will they be shut down pretty quickly, do you think? So, you know, the Kansas court system is... Uh, you know, it's hitting this, the Kansas Supreme Court, not, uh, it's, you know, picked by the governor, so it's, it's hard to trust. And because these issues involve state issues and not federal constitutional issues, it's not something an appeal support, or at least they will probably take it. Yeah. So it does rely on the integrity of your at-home courts. But I will say as a message basically to policymakers, to legislators, and to people who talk to their uh, Congress people, which is you have to use clear language because one of the ways that the LGBT groups are going to win their cases is they're going to find language where in the law it says gender rather than sex. And they're going to say, ah, because it says gender rather than sex, your law doesn't apply because your law defines sex. So I would just say we should do our best 
to eliminate the, the word gender from our society because it has taken on a lack of meaning. You know, uh, if there's, you know, multiple genders and they're fluid and you can change them and they, if, if that is what gender is, it has lost meaning and we should stop using it. And so for me, the, the best way to try and be on offense in these court cases is for us as a society to shift over and use sex and use sex as a biological term. Yeah, it is very concerning. Last question for you, and I know you got to run. I appreciate your time very much. But are you seeing other states go down this road as well? As we continue to see this push all over the country, are states trying to stand up and say, hey, we need, unfortunately, we need a little bit of stability. We need some common sense to prevail here. We need some structure in society for us to be able to just function as a society. Are other states working on this? Yes. So I'd like to see more momentum, but we are working on Women's Bill of Rights across the country. We even have a proposal that's been introduced um, in Congress. And I, I, you know, sometimes people say, well, why is this worthwhile? Because it doesn't actually mandate that there's women's spaces. It just defines woman. Well, I'll tell you one area where defining woman was is totally critical, which is, and you've probably heard this case, there are some women in the state of Wyoming and they joined a sorority whose bylaws say it is a sorority for women. And now their sorority is trying to tell them that women means men. And we can't let that happen to our girls, to our girls where we send them to colleges, where they sign up for something with the total expectation that it's going to be a women's group. Of course, these girls can sign up for other types of co-ed groups if they want to, too, but they signed up for this one because it was a women's group. And then someone changed the language on them. Yeah. And so that is why these states need to pass a death. You can't change the rules on people when they're not expecting it. Yeah, I completely agree. When you go into some, I mean, this, it's it goes further into, like you said, not only college, where we're already having an issue with men attacking women uh, all the time and everybody talking about some type of rape culture in, in college. But if we're looking at rape victims going into shelters, which is why we had to pass it here in Kansas, and men just being able to walk into those, I can't believe that we're allowing this. This is, to me, and like you said before, this is belittling women to a point that I think we've never seen in society before. It absolutely is. All of a sudden, all I am is somebody who wears a dress. As a woman, <laughs> that's what it means, is I wear a dress. Well, you know what? If I'm wearing pants, am I no longer a woman? I did the whole ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. May Mailman, Senior Fellow for the Independent Women's Law Center. May, we thank you so much again for all the time. Keep up this fight. Maybe we can see some more of these laws passed in other states. We desperately need it. We'd love to chat with you again here real soon. We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network or Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well as we're talking with Mary this week. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Doing good. Always good to chat with you. We talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network and all the latest scams, and obviously we have a lot of them to cover. We'll try and do as many as we can with back-to-school stuff and the end of traveling and vacation time, but... At the same time, there's a new one going around with the amount of robocalls and text messages that you're receiving, specifically those that are trying to say that they're part of your bank to get your personal banking information. Talk about what's going on here. 
Yeah, you know, we talk about texting scams all the time, and we warn people not to click on links. And it's really important now. The Federal Trade Commission recently reported that text messages pretending to be from banks are up nearly 20-fold since 2019. So that's a lot. And um, the most common type of text-based fraud um, costs victims a median loss of $3,000 each. So lots of money can be lost to this scam, and we really want people to be careful that um, that they don't fall for it. But it, but it might be hard. I mean, it's it's you know you see a text and it's someone from your bank saying there's trouble with your account. They need you to take a look at it. Click on this link, and you know you get worried. You get excited that oh my gosh something is wrong. This is my money. I need to be careful. And then you click on the link. So that's what we really want people to watch out for is be, be sure not to click on that link. Um, instead. Call your bank and ask them directly what's going on, if anything is going on. Hmm. That's a great uh, piece of information. Most times, I'm assuming that most times your bank or your financial institution will not be texting you uh, about information regarding to your account, unless it's something that you've signed up for, for like a minimum balance or if you've overdrawn or something like that. But asking for information and wanting your information should be a major red flag. Exactly. And you hit it on the nail. If you signed up for text notifications from your bank, um, then you think, oh, then this this has got to be from my bank. But that's where you have to be careful. Um, So when you get that text, um, be sure that 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 you check it out before you click any link. Just make sure that it, you know, rather than clicking on it just to, to, you know, because you're you think it might be right. instead. Just stop yourself and and pick up the phone and call the bank. Yeah, absolutely. I just saw a report earlier this week that showed the amount of scammed money and fraud that happened across the nation last year hit over like $10 billion. It was a record for the United States. And it's because a lot of this new technology where they're doing so well at being able to disguise themselves either with a text message or a phone call and looking legitimate. And that's a major cause for concern, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, it really isn't only text messages, but this can also occur with emails and also robocalls. You know, they may call and tell you that your bank account has been locked um, and you need to verify a purchase. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll get you find any way to try to get you to, to give them your personal information, your bank account number whatever they need to get into your account. So just be very wary, be very suspicious of anything that comes from your bank. Sure. That is a great cause for concern. Let's talk real quickly about some of the other scams going on. Obviously, it's back to school season. We're wrapping up family vacations. We're trying to get the last little bit of school supplies, getting students registered for school. And Is there anything going on here? I'm sure there's another way for them to try and get all your personal information as we do this transition for the fall. Exactly. There's always a a scammer out there trying to get money from you. And really, the basic thing to do is just don't give any information out when you get a text, like we just talked about. When you get a phone call, someone wants you to call another number and you don't know who's at the end of that line, don't call. Be careful when uh, there's a deal that sounds too good to be true. It's like people are giving away school supplies. Um, that should be your first um, inkling that something might be wrong. If it sounds too good to be true, it almost always is. So people just need to be very careful about clicking on links 
Um, for sure, do not give out any personal information and watch for deals that are too good to be true. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. We got just about a minute left here, but talk about what else is going on with the AARP. Obviously, a lot of community events, your webinars and different things you have going on right now, but uh, talk about the latest. Yeah, we're still doing a lot of uh, virtual events, but we're also getting out into communities. And we hope people will check our website at aarp.org slash ks. And also our Facebook page, which is at AARPKS. We have lots of events going on, lots of things that we think people will be interested. Um, we'll have a Movies for Grownups in Wichita in September, so people can look out for that. So lots of things. Just click on our website and find our events listing, and you'll find out what's going on. Always great information. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Keeping you aware of all the things going on across the country. Uh, Mary, we appreciate it very much. Let's do it again next week. Thank you, Andy. There it is. Latest update with the AARP. We'll do another update from them next week here on Kansas Talk. All right, we'll wrap up hour number one. Man, it flies right on by. So much more to talk about, so much more to get to. It's going to be open lines to you in hour number two for portions of it as well. Plus, to kick it off, it's been a while since we've had him in studio. Cedric County Commissioner Ryan Beatty will have him in talking about the latest going on in the county. Budgetary conversations, my favorite. That's what we do right here on Kansas Talk on KQAM. Stay right here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM dial, 997 HD4. If you have that smart radio, you can find us on the HD channel, number four on 997. If you go to number one, it's our Hank FM, which you can find Classic Country, which is a great one, too. But you want to find us on the HD4. Also, our friends out in Garden City, 1240 KIUL, also hanging out with us this morning as well. Great to have you this morning. Starting off another weekend. It's going to be beautiful. It's already 80 degrees, though, so hopefully you don't hit that triple digits. I'm done with that, man. I'm ready for my 30-degree weather. I'm ready to still wear T-shirts and shorts out in my 30-degree weather, and I'm totally happy with that. Welcome in 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Covered a lot of ground in hour number one. We'll do some more of that in a little bit. The governor coming up with her new super PAC in the state, trying to push for moderate Republican candidates. Kind of interesting. We'll get to that. Also... Have you seen a UFO in the state of Kansas? We're ranked number 25 in the nation for UFO sightings and ranked 15th for survivability if we have a UFO invasion. I'm just throwing that out there, man. We're ready. We'll do some more with that and have some fun with it later on. In studio, though, happy to have It's been a while since we've had him in studio. Talk about some county issues here from Cedric County, Cedric County Commissioner, Mr. Ryan Beatty. Ryan, what's going on, my friend? Andy, good to see you. Always good to be in studio. Always good to have you here. For I think the last time we chatted was shortly after you got elected onto the county commission. So you've gotten settled in. You've kind of gone yeah. through the first year. Uh, how's the settlement been? How's it been transitioning well, over here? I think, what, seven months, eight months in office now? I've just figured out where the restrooms are in the building. So I think we're <laughs> off to a good start. But Honestly, you know, it's it's really been a pretty smooth transition. Uh, I've enjoyed the process so far. I've enjoyed uh, 
really what the role of county government is and trying to get us back into anchoring into the appropriate role of county government. There's some things I've observed, uh, good and bad. Uh, The good is that we are surrounded by really incredible staff at Sedgwick County Government. You know, there's 2,700, almost 2,800 employees, and these people are public servants. And uh, there are brilliant people running around Sedgwick County Government. It's our greatest asset, frankly. Yeah. Uh, the other side of it is, you know, that I wasn't accustomed to is I come from a private business background and I'm used to going very fast and, uh, and bureaucracy, uh, Take some time for better or for worse. It, it's a little slower pace, but all in all, I'm encouraged. I'm hopeful and I'm glad I got the job. Yeah. I, it's fun watching that transition from the private to the public sector. I think Donald Trump had that same struggle when he went into the presidency of like, why can't we get all this done right now? What's going on? Yeah. It's for, <laughs> yeah there's some good reasons why. I mean, listen, Politics and government and business, uh, they are not the same thing. Uh, They have different aims. But there are some principles in business that certainly apply to government and politics. And I hope that my experience can kind of weave some of those things in. But listen, when you're dealing with other people's money, you know, we don't we don't make T-shirts and tennis shoes in the back room at Sedgwick County Government. (laughs) We our resources, our revenue is produced by the taxpayers of our community. So we need to be prudent. We need to take our time. We need to make sure we're being good stewards. But but the pace, there are days I feel like I want to spontaneously combust, man, because we just don't seem to move very fast. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, wrapping up, now that we're getting to the later part of summer, which is hard to believe, school's already starting this yeah. next week, which is crazy. But um, are we almost pretty much back after post-COVID-19 right now? People, I mean, it seems like we've had Riverfest that went well. We've had the fairs going on. We've had things getting back and added. It seems like we're almost back to normal right now. Yeah, I would say, by and large, most people in our community would agree that we, you know, Back to normal, things are normal. Now, what is not normal is the aftermath of what this season of COVID uh, and this season of government intervention has created. Uh, You know, when you throw, what was it, $3 trillion into uh, the economic engine of this, uh, the United States, all that artificial liquidity, you don't just toss it in there and hope things pan out, right? right? So the inflation, supply chain issues, workforce issues, these are direct manifestations of government intervention to the tune of all this artificial liquidity that was put into the market. And that we haven't fully figured out yet. Sure. Um, so I think that from the from the everyday business of people doing life, I think we're back to normal, but we are still very much in the midst of trying to iron out uh, the aftermath of the of the government's role in covid yeah yeah i think that was uh, we've talked a little bit about this off the air i think it was an eye-opener for not only government officials but also for the for the public to recognize what the role of government really was mm-hmm. during covid and what happened during covid and how we're going to respond to it thereafter god forbid we ever have another pandemic like that but it really shined the role on how important local government official is and how important it is to have politics at a local level yeah well and i look back now because i was in private business at that point in time and i had a a chain of mattress stores we have 13 stores across kansas and uh march 23rd of 2020 that's when things changed and i'll give people grace at that point in time we we didn't fully understand what we were involved with at that point and you remember the conversations about 14 days to uh you know the slow the spread (laughs) and the curve and all these things but looking back now you know three years later and you say my goodness my government called me non-essential my government forced me to close my stores. My government did not uh, manage COVID equitably when I looked at other retailers, other people that were allowed to do business and thrive in that time, frankly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Even to the point to where we had our, our county government actually create a quote-unquote snitch line saying, hey, call if you see a business yeah. opening when yeah. they shouldn't be. We learned a lot this yeah. season. I can't imagine that we ever go through a season like this again. God forbid we ever do that it will it'll be managed the same way. 
but there's some uh, there are some positive things that came of this. I think there was a great rediscovery, as Ronald Reagan said in his farewell address, of the need of liberty in this country. Yeah. I think it really engaged a younger generation, those that were in school, many of these middle school, high school during this season uh, of COVID, where they understand now how valuable liberty and freedom is. Uh, and I think it's really important that we have local leaders uh, and national leaders that remind people sure. of the effective and proper role of government and that we should defend liberty at all costs. And that's painful at times. It is. Uh, but liberty is something that we should never take for granted in this country. Amen to that. Let's talk about some budgetary issues that relate to COVID. I know the county got, what, $11, $12 million from some of the COVID-19 relief funding. And I've talked to Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell about this a few different times, but uh, the money that it got allotted to, the biggest concern as soon as it came in is, me being the dork I am talking about budget stuff, is are we going to expand government to the point when that money runs out, we're going to be in a financial situation where we have to raise taxes, we have to find more spending just to compensate for what we tried to expand during this. Do you think we did a good job in trying to uh, limit that? So to be clear, uh, Sedgwick County government through CARES and ARPA got almost $200 million okay, uh, yeah. in, in this deal. So <laughs> and I wasn't there at the time. Sure. Um, I, I think that on one hand, Sedgwick County government did a fantastic job. They didn't put these into, they put most of this into one-time expenditure and not into ongoing budgetary things like staffing and wages that they used one-time expenditures to, to, that they're going to need to make up that gap in future budgets. That didn't happen in Sedgwick County. It did happen across the country with other governments, and now they're having budget issues because they, they don't have that one-time uh, one cash yep. surge. Um, you know, he did things like the courts and the expansion courts. That was so necessary. We did things that were necessary in the infrastructure. Uh, well, a lot of people are critical of Sedgwick County government at that time because we didn't do some things with the 20 cities in Sedgwick County government that we could right. to collaborate our funds together to do some things with water and, uh, and and sewer lines and infrastructure, tag teaming with Wichita or Park City or Valley Center or Mays to really do some infrastructure things. I think uh, the government's been, uh, Sedgwick County in particular, there's been some critics of that approach, but mm -hmm. I wasn't in the room at that point in time. I, I'm able to look and see what we've done since then. And, and my job now is to make sure that we're keeping county government in its proper bandwidth, focused on its core services so that we can empower the 20 cities in Sedgwick County to do what they need to do for the people of their cities. Good. I like that. Now, looking at the budget now, are we doing, like you said, what that priority is, kind of keeping government where it's supposed to be for the county level? Yeah, I think so. Uh, previous commissions have actually done a really good job, Andy, of being relatively conservative with the budget. Sedgwick County government is a really pretty uh, efficient machine. It, it really is. Um, <clears throat> I walked in, you know, with the idea of where can I cut, what can I do? And, uh, and you know, Previous commissions have done a good job keeping county government in check. We're sure. looking at a budget, a recommended budget, because uh, we don't pass the budget till August 23rd. We're looking at a budget about $546.2 million. Okay. There were some goals in mind heading into this budget. We started the budget workshops in February. That's what's different about county government than city government is we're, the commissioners are very much involved in budget formation. 46 departments in Sedgwick County government. Every department comes before the commission between February and budget adoption day to present their case and to have conversations. Every department, all 46. Yeah. Uh, and there were some goals that have come through these things that the manager put in a recommended budget that we're going to try to execute before budget adoption. But $546.2 million. It's a, it's a good size budget. 29.37 mills for Sedgwick County, 17.9 mills for the fire district. And, uh, we're not done yet. There's some adjustments that I'd still like to see made, uh, but uh, we're moving towards adoption day on the 23rd. 
That is good news. That is good news. Now, have you gotten a lot of public input? Because I know you guys have opened it up to that to allow people to kind of talk about maybe some priorities they have or concerns that they had. But uh, did you get some good response from that? So this is relatively disheartening, if I'm being candid, is our <laughs> first uh, uh, public open meeting was on the evening of August the 2nd. We had one person show up, mm. one person show up, sign up to speak. So what I've done is I've tried to take the message of the budget to get feedback and input. I try to take it to the precincts in my district. Uh, I've been going to all of our city council meetings that are in the the cities in my district. I've done uh, Park City. I've done Keechai. I do Valley Center next week. May's following that. Uh, And these are just having conversations with their city councils, presenting the goals of the budget and asking for their feedback, asking them, how do I best contend from my seat as your representative at the county? How do I best contend for the interest of your city and the people uh, in your city, our shared constituents? Sure. Um, And that's been a very fruitful uh, opportunity to get some feedback. But but by and large, you know, I get a lot of people on social media that give opinions, you know, but uh, but but by and large, there hasn't been as much public input as I'd hoped for. Yeah, that is that is concerning. That is concerning. But uh, hopefully. Hopefully we can see that bump up just a little bit. Do you guys have any more public hearings before the final vote? August 23rd, that's adoption day, our public meeting, and that's state statute to have okay. it on this day. Um, uh, we do have another public open meeting. It's 9 a.m. August the 23rd. After the feedback, uh, we pass the budget that day. So, no. Or we vote to pass the budget. We hope to pass the budget. Hope that to day. pass the budget. It's coming up quick. It is. Coming up quick, yeah. Uh, talk about the relationships, like you said, I mean, focusing on the cities, not just the city of Wichita, but the other cities around, in, especially in your district and around South Central Kansas. Uh, I know Wichita, for example, working with you guys on uh, emergency response services and law enforcement that we're seeing a shortage of all over the country, not just in the area here. Are those types of situations getting better and the relationship between you guys and the cities being able to make that happen? They are. Yeah, I, I really that was a big focus of mine. Why I ran was to strengthen collaboration and communication and partnership with the cities. Andy, this all goes back to uh, a theory of county government that I had. Uh, which is county government uh, needs to get itself into its core services. And anything that is not core service, we need to work to collaborate, partner, consolidate. Uh, and I'll give you some practical examples. So county government does public services like so public health, public works, uh, public safety. The biggest part of our budget is public safety. Uh, and these are big deals, man. This is direct yeah. services to the constituents in Sedgwick County. These are core services. What is not core services for county government? Uh, arts, rec, park, uh, <laughs> things of this nature. Yeah. Now, are they important? They absolutely sure. are important. Yeah. They're not core services for Sedgwick County government. They are core services for city government. For city, exactly. They're economic development for county government. So my theory uh, that I hope to work through the first term uh, as a county commissioner is let us be effective and efficient with our core services. Let us focus here. These secondary non-core services, let's look to collaborate, to partner, to consolidate even some of these areas so that we can we can make sure that they are properly funded and properly taken care of so we can focus on our core services yeah. to empower the 20 cities in Sedgwick County to do what they have to do for their citizens. The needs of Mays, the needs of Park City, the needs of Valley Center are all different than the needs of Goddard or Derby. So we need to work as a county government to empower these cities, maintain in our lane, make sure we're doing it effectively and efficiently, but empower our cities to be who they need to be. What a concept. Focus on the priorities, right? Funny how Focus it works. on the priorities. Let things fall into place where they need to be. Let's take a break here real quick. We're talking with Central County Commissioner Ryan Beatty. When we come back, we'll finish up budgetary conversations. I know something that was important to you when you got into the seat was wanting to focus on mental health issues in the area, business innovation, and so much more. We'll do some of that when we come back. If you want to call in, you can as well at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on our Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Lots more to get to on Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here.
23 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. What's up? Happy Saturday morning to you. Got another segment, a few more minutes here with Subject County Commissioner Ryan Beatty talking about some priorities for the county. And I know you've been uh, focused on a lot of priorities in the area. We had the news just, what, a couple of months ago about the new mental health facility that's going to be built here uh, with the county. You guys working with the state on a state uh, a state health facility. Uh, I know that's been a big topic for you. We also have the new EMS stuff that's with the county and the city between uh, a mental health professional going out to 911 calls yeah. as well. It seems like we're starting to address a major issue here. Yeah, we are. And again, this is squarely in the purview of county government, which yeah. is, you know, we do calm care. We do uh, the, the, the public safety aspect of these things. So I'll give you a brief rundown of what we're doing in the mental health space, and and, and there, you'll see a theme here that I think hopefully will be encouraging to, to your listeners. The first is the state is going to do a state mental health hospital here. Um, uh, that's important. 50% of the beds in this mental health hospital are going to go to uh, criminal ingenics, so people that are waiting for evaluations. We've had people that have sat in our Sedgwick County Jail for over uh, 18 months waiting on bed space wow. at an evaluation at, at Larned um, mm-hmm. or Osawatomie. Um, and the other 50% for those that will be uh, involuntary commitments, people that are in danger to themselves or others. Yeah. So that's a definite need here uh, in this community. And the sheriff will tell you this is this is exceptional for right. what it's going to do to relieve pressure from his jail. The other thing we're talking about is ComCare uh, expansion. Uh, ComCare uh, is our certified community behavioral health clinic. Uh, one of the things that we're going to expand into is more crisis services, emergency services. But part of that also is a medical detox for those that are experiencing opioid addiction. Uh, for those that have never been around someone with an opioid addiction, particularly fentanyl, cold turkey quitting is not really an option. Right. A medical detox many times is, is a necessary component. Uh, if you don't have insurance, there is no medical detox options in this community at this point in time. Um, and if you want to go get a social detox through someone like SAC, uh, which we partner with very well from ComCare, it's a three-month wait to get a bed. A bed. Wow. So uh, if you talk to our sheriff, our DA, you talk to Police Chief Sullivan, he will tell you, you want to turn crime around in this community, it begins with more rehabilitation services sure. uh, for substance use. Uh, so ComCare is going to have a role in that. The Biomed Campus, the, the collaborative between Wichita State and KU, that is coming. Uh, they just announced where they're going to be putting this from a location standpoint. That's 3,000 med students in downtown Wichita. So think about the economic benefit to that. Yeah. Generational, frankly. But the other aspect of that is now it's going to be another pipeline for social workers, mental health practitioners into this space. Uh, and then the last thing is well, working with the city of Wichita, what they call their MAC, their multi-agency campus. This is a homelessness solution that has wraparound services with nonprofit community uh, coming in. Uh, for mental health, substance use, job training, vocation, all of these different things. So those are the four big things that we're doing. Now you're gonna the, the, here's the trend, and this is why I'm such an advocate for this. In all of that, you see the state's role, mm-hmm. you see the county's role, city of Wichita's role, the nonprofit community, the church, and academic. Wow. So you see it's all six coming all coming. I truly believe, Andy, that in a couple years nationally, people are going to look to this community and say. That's the gold standard of how a community collaborates together to overcome mental and behavioral health issues. Yeah, yeah. We always seem to be kind of the trendsetters for stuff like this, we and we, we do a really good job of that. Because not only just for mental health, but let's talk about the business side of things between trade schools, between trying to keep the workforce, the younger generation mm-hmm. here as well. You're a business guy. You see this as well. That uh, I mean, I think we've done a good job. Obviously, we can do better, but I think that we've started some trends trying to tie in the public schools and the trade schools and businesses to work all together to try and give students opportunities to get into that workforce, get experience, yeah. and stay here. That's exactly right. When it comes to recruiting and retaining talent, this is 
exactly the purview of local government yeah. is how do we not manipulate or stimulate, but how do we foster an environment where entrepreneurs and businesses can succeed here? And that there's a, that's a comprehensive, uh, uh, complex uh, conversation to be had. But when we look at, okay, how do we continue to stabilize aerospace manufacturing here? That's our DNA, man. Yeah. How do we stabilize it? But how do we also broaden uh, who it is that we do and what industry that we have here? We have incredible opportunity with cybersecurity, tech. Uh, we have an incredible opportunity with medical here. Uh, these are all things that we need to foster an environment for businesses and organizations and industry can come here and thrive. Yeah. Uh, part of this also is tax uh, policy. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a very loud critic of property taxes, and which I hope people will say, "Oh, you're the guy who actually set some property tax policy." <laughs> we're, we're thankful that you're a critic of, of property taxes in general. Yeah. Um, but we have a 25% assessment rate on commercial property. What are we saying to businesses and organizations nationally? Come to Kansas. Come to Kansas. We love you. Come here. But when you get here, we're going to slap your business with a 25% assessment rate on on your commercial property. I just think all these things matter. Yeah. All these things are part of the equation for what it means to have a business environment here to where people can thrive. And this matters to our working class families. I it agree. matters to our working class families. Yeah, the private sector. Let it grow, let it flourish, because we have a lot of new industries coming into the area, and I think it's really great. Uh, Ryan, we got about 30 seconds left here, but one more time, if people want to come out and hear the hearings before the passing of the budget, how can they do so? August 23rd, Central County Government offices at the Ruffin Building, 100 North Broadway. The public hearing will start at 9 a.m. I'm asking for your feedback. I'm asking for your input. But before then, you can always email me, message me on Facebook, whatever it takes, questions, comments, insight. I'm here for you. I'm going to contend for the right things. We're going to get a good budget passed. I am excited the direction that we're going with the county level, hopefully with the city level as well, with a lot of good stuff going on there. And uh, even with the school board, it seems like we have a lot of attention being focused on what we can do in the area. And I'm excited about that. Subject County Commissioner Ryan Beatty, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Good to see you, Let's buddy. do it uh, more frequent than seven months. I'd enjoy that. Yeah, let's do it. We'll take a break here. Open line to you for the last half hour on the home stretch as we continue on through Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talk or KQAM. Stay here. to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed you are. Welcome back into it on the home stretch here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial, plus our friends out in Garden City, Kansas. What's up, 1240 KIUL? Great to have you. Thanks again to Cedric County Commissioner Ryan Beatty. Awesome guy, awesome commissioner. We appreciate his time very, very much. And I feel bad. I feel really bad. I, I was so excited to chat with him. I forgot to actually flip over the camera, so if you were watching on the live stream, you didn't get the video feed of him in studio, but uh, you obviously got to hear it on the radio with the audio, but uh, we did not have the video. I just didn't even think about turning over and seeing it. For those that watch, my my camera in my computer is behind me, so I always have to remember to turn around and do all the graphic changes, so it's been a while since we flipped that. So anyways, thanks again to him coming on. Appreciate it very much. We'll get him back on. Again, we hadn't had him on for a good seven, eight months since the election time last year. So we will definitely do it more frequently than what we have been, as he is a great, great leader in Cedric County for sure. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to jump on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines for the last half hour, I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. 
If you have any appliance issues, you can get them fixed. I know with the hot weather, maybe if you've tried to turn on the oven, maybe that wasn't the best thing to do during the summertime in 105 degree temperatures. Whether they're the new stuff, whether the old reliable stuff, whatever it may be, Napoleon Appliance Repair with Mike and Mike, they can help you out with any type of appliance that you may have. All you have to do is go to their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC. You can also give them a call at 316-409-1525. Again, 316-409-1525. They were voted best of in the city of Wichita from the Wichita Eagle for 2022, and they continue on that legacy each and every year. Again, find them online at Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC on Facebook and give them a call at 316-409-1525. Great partners with us here on KQAM and right here on Candace Talk. All right, we threw a lot out at you throughout the uh, last hour and a half between county issues, between the alien invasion survivability rate here in Kansas, the governor's new super PAC that she has trying to promote, quote-unquote, moderate Republicans in the state of Kansas and how she's trying to change the dynamic while the state Republican Party is in complete shambles right now. If you have a financial report as a state party that has $6,000 in it, then I don't care what positivity that we have. That's concerning. Now, that's not to say the county parties aren't doing well. That's not to say that the candidates aren't out there rocking it, knocking on doors, making stuff happen, getting ready for election time next year. But when you have something that bad at a statewide level, who's supposed to be kind of orchestrating and being the umbrella for the local Republican parties and organizations around the state, that is a major cause for concern. Are you concerned about it moving forward into the 2024 elections where we have a presidential race and we have a lot of really big races across the state. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Nick, what's going on, sir? Oh, that was an awesome interview. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I, I'm so excited for uh, Brian uh, in the commission. He just seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders and everything. Yeah. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that. But um, I think one of the things that you talked about was the citizen involvement. And I think that's one of the big deals that if if we can have that, we can, you know, thwart some of these issues. But if we don't, we're going to have both sides being kind of wrong. Because I don't think I agree with an executive order when it comes to Bill of Rights, nor do I agree about, you know, the lack of enforcement. Now, if you look at a Bill of Rights, if it can be enacted by an executive order or a legislature, then it can be repealed. So I think we have to be careful on what we're going to try to manipulate the Constitution. And about. And you guys have so much stuff to talk about, so I'll just run down the list if you want to stop me or, or talk about something. But Well, I tell you, um, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's take them piece by piece here, because you're right, and it, it, it's a good point of conversation here is that, yeah, I have to admit, we've had Governor Kevin Stitt from Oklahoma on the program a few good times, and he's a he's a great interview. He's a good guy to chat with. I don't know him personally or anything beyond the couple of times we've talked to him on the air. But I, uh, from what it sounds like, he's done some interesting stuff down in Oklahoma, not just with the Women's Bill of Rights, which I, I agree with you. Rights are not guaranteed by the government. The rights are guaranteed by a higher power, by just natural law, however people like to look at it, and that they're protected by the government or they're supposed to be protected by the government so us signing an executive order for a women's bill of rights in oklahoma 
means that the next governor that comes in could repeal that executive order, and then, boom, we no longer have a women's bill of rights, and we no longer have protection for women, which means we can go back to the terminology of chest feeding or pregnant person instead of women, essentially erasing the value of women all around, which, again, where are you feminists when uh, your complete identity is being removed because you're no longer valuable in society, according to the left-wing progressives? You're right. So... I much rather have the process that we had here when it's sad that we even have to do so because it's a basic human right that we should have for women to be protected and have value in society. We shouldn't have to do that at all. Unfortunately, with today's society, if we have to go down that road, I like the way we did it here in Kansas compared to what was going on in Oklahoma. Fair enough. Uh, Moving on to the constitutional sheriff deal, Uh, you know, at the local level of sheriff wants to take some uh, man posing as a woman out of the restroom and arrest him for whatever, you know, he he can do that. He can shut down these things. He can allow these things to spread or he can practice them. uh, uh, Now I get a little confused when we talk about rehab and crime, uh, because if you're going to say something needs to be rehabbed, then why is it, uh, why should it be a crime? And you know where I'm going with that, but we don't have to go down that road if you if you don't want to. But I agree, we need to do something about uh, the lack of uh, families, the lack of respect for life, the lack of respect for you know standards, and where we have all these what we call mental health issues or idolatry issues and everything. So there has to be systems in place to keep the other people of the public safe, but I don't want to build systems that will end up into the next off switch. So, so that's just my concern, whether we talk about eugenics or government growth or dependence on government or everything like that. And I did have a question or not a question. I just assumed that little voice of reason is prepared for fires, tornadoes, alien invasions, or anything like that. But we need to make sure that the families aren't dependent on government and make their own family plan they know what to do in case of emergency, so we're not just waiting for the government to come uh, bail us out because they will they'll grow, and then they'll take over more of our freedoms and liberties as they grow. Uh, and I, it will be interesting to see what happens, who changes their stance on Medicaid expansion in the next year or two, see what kind of principled conservatives we have when it comes to standing our ground on those issues. But that's all I really have to say. If you want to keep on talking, we can or whatever. Yeah, well, I will say, first off, with the Medicaid expansion, no, I do not see Medicaid expansion happening anytime soon. Governor Kelly's tried it year after year after year, and it's not going anywhere. And as long as we have Ty Masterson as Senate president, as long as we have Dan Hawkins as House of House Speaker, they will stay below the line and it won't even get a vote on the House floors because we're not giving that an opportunity. It will die in the legislature and we have to thank God that the fact that they're going to kill that because it's not going to be happening anytime soon. So yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about that even though they try to make a, a you know try to make a fuss about it. No, all these rural hospitals are closing. There's a major issue going on with the rural hospitals, unfortunately, and we need to address that. Medicaid expansion is not going to solve that in any way, shape, or form, and uh, that's a dirty political tactic for her to try and use that. On to the survivability rate. Yes, I will say Little Voice of Reason is prepared, and we continue to prepare her for whatever may come, and uh, we are we will be just fine during a tornado or a hurricane <laughs> or an earthquake or even an alien invasion. Although the alien invasion, I'm ready, man, because I'll be standing outside ready because like they're, they're going to be coming, and I'm going to be prepared. We're going to be having a relationship and talking to them before they even come down and invade, so we'll be just fine. 
<laughs> I, I won't preach at you this morning, but we'll just let that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll it's it's interesting, and again, uh, whether people take it seriously, not take it seriously, I personally, hundred and ten percent believer, baby, it's going to happen. Uh, uh, I, yeah, do you do you I agree? I firmly believe it. I firmly believe there are demons out there messing around. Uh, trying to deceive people, but um, mm. I also, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, I, hold on. That's that's an interesting point for a conversation. So you think that they're demons? Well, as a Christian, as a person that believes that I'm a sinner depraved without Jesus, needing Him for my total dependence and everything, uh, I do believe that there in the last times that there will be signs and wonders uh, from the demonic side, and and maybe this is what it is. Now, I'm not going to say that God. I didn't maybe create something else, but I have no knowledge of it. I have no evidence of it. All I have is my faith, uh, and and that's that's all I can say. You you want to know my theory on this, Nick? I I I I, I, don't don't laugh at me here. No, I think that they are. I I think I think that there's. I think that they're both. I think that ETs personally call me crazy, call me weird. I think that they there are with how many species some claim that they have seen or talked to or communicated with or whatever, I believe that some are demons, some are angels. If you read the book of Ezekiel, the, the Ezekiel literally, t- as he talks about uh, God coming and descending from the heavens in a flaming chariot that has all these uh, lights, which he couldn't explain because they didn't have electricity, but it has all this fire with wheels that rotated around all over the place and God descended upon and communicated with him. He was literally describing an ET landing in a UFO. I think that they you just have to be be wary of them, but I think that there are both angelic ones and demonic ones, and you just have to be prepared for either one. Fair enough. And if you're right with God, then you know where you're going. Then you're not worried and, about and it. Nothing. Yeah, then you're but, not worried about uh, yeah. it. But that speaking, though, with the alien invasion that could potentially happen, it says apparently we're number 15 in the nation for the state of Kansas to be prepared for that alien invasion based on caves, based on military presence, and based on prep- preparedness from the citizens. What they didn't include in that study was the number of firearms that uh, we have. Now, I don't know how much of a firearm would do good for a higher dimensional being, but I would at least uh, have a little bit of a more sense of a security if we had more firearms. Amen. And, you know, like you said, we have the family structure still a lot <laughs> intact uh, in Kansas, and, and I think that shows how we are prepared and, and uh, we're under God's grace. So, hallelujah. There you go. Yeah, again. It's Andy, a, Andy, God bless you. You have a good day. Thanks for allowing me to speak, and uh, you take care of yourself, okay? You as well, my friend. I always appreciate it. It's an interesting conversation. People can laugh at me, giggle at it, but it's a fun one. And now that it's becoming more in the mainstream media, I'm telling you, it needs to be more of a serious conversation to prepare or at least be aware of it as opposed to just laughing it off, although it is still just a fun, entertaining conversation to have as well. So, Nick, always appreciate it uh, very much. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines if you want to jump on. we got a few more minutes left here. By the way, as a reminder for you, over on our sister station, KGSO Sports Radio, we will have the final championship game of the NBC World Series going on at X Stadium. It's been going on throughout the entire week. We've covered games on it on KGSO throughout the entire last week. And the championship is tonight. That first pitch at 7 p.m. And you can hear it over on KGSO 1410 on the AM dial 93.9 FM KGSO. You can hear the NBC World Series and that championship game this evening. We got it covered for you right here. Techline Communications. Awesome stuff going on. One more segment right around the corner. We'll finish up, wrap up these conversations and a heck of a lot more. Stay right here.
Welcome back into the program. Just a couple of minutes left here on the show. If you want to jump on at 316-721-8255. By the way, I hope you got to enjoy our fill-in yesterday for the Todd Starnes radio program. Had the honor to fill in for him. He was traveling to New York City for his filling in of Newsmax, which you were able to see last night at 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock our time, 10 o'clock Eastern. And it sounds like we'll be doing it again on Tuesday, August 22nd. He'll be traveling in out of town as well, and they've asked me to fill in for his program. It sounds like we have a great opportunity. I really appreciate him being allow us to be able to fill in for his show. It's a lot of fun. It's awesome. He's on, obviously, prime time in the middle of the day for many stations across the nation, 150 of them to be exact, and to be able to fill in for him is a great honor. So thank you, Todd. We love you, brother, very much, and the fact that uh, we get the chance to jump on his show and have some fun. But if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you can go to his website, toddstarns.com, and listen to the entire three hours. Obviously, here on KQAM, we only got to air two hours of that interview because, well, at 4 o'clock is my show. So we uh, only air two hours of that program. But uh, tonight, for our syndicated program for the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition, which I got to give, again, a major big thanks because our show is on his radio station out in Memphis, Tennessee, on the mighty 990 uh, KWAM, KWAM, baby. They broadcast our program with the Voice of Reason out there as well. Wonderful station. We love them to death, and uh, my show will be on there. Uh, I believe tonight, I believe they aired on Saturday evenings. But we will air one of the interviews that we played during that show, as if you didn't get a chance to listen to it yesterday, we interviewed Christina Bob. She is the uh, lawyer for the Save America PAC, the Trump team, trying to battle against all the indictments against Donald Trump. And we had her on the program yesterday during Todd Starn's show to talk about the latest litigation, what they're working on, how they're trying to stop some of these ridiculous indictments, and how important it is to keep Donald Trump on that campaign trail. So we'll play that interview coming up on our syndicated program later on today, uh, which you can hear on KQAM, and you can hear on our friends over on KIUL in Garden City as well. My syndicated program runs on Sunday evenings from 5 to 7 at night, so make sure to stay tuned in there. We will have the live stream if you want to watch on the video stream as well, but we'll play that interview with Christina Bob. We have another great interview for you as well. I got asked a couple of times today, um, both from Ryan when he was in here, but then also some of the other listeners of Andy, all the content you're coming up with, because I I promise you, I don't want to be repetitive with all the shows that we do. Obviously, we have our one-hour show during the week. We have this two-hour program, which is kind of our, this is more of our relaxed, fun show, because we get to talk about state issues and local issues and the local activism and kind of let our hair down, so to speak, a little bit on this one, and then our big syndicated show on the weekend. I don't want any of it to be repetitive, and that's difficult. Because I don't want to turn into, not to pick on any other talk show hosts out there, but I don't want to turn it into one that has a three-hour show and a TV program, and they talk about the same thing day after day, month after month, and it gets really redundant and really annoying, and I can't do that. So I work really hard, try to not be repetitive, even when we fill in for other shows as well. When it's either Todd Starnes or whether it's Mark Walters with Armed American Radio and any other shows that we may have the honor and privilege to jump on and fill in for, I don't want it to be repetitive just to say the same stuff over and over and over again. We want it to be unique. We want it to be fun. We want it to be upbeat. And I'm telling you, uh, we'll continue to find new content to talk about because we like to dive a little bit deeper into the issues, which gives us more opportunity to discuss it in different manners than I think other talk show hosts and other shows do around the nation, even at local levels. So we appreciate that. And again... The fact that you're supporting it is awesome, and we love you, and we thank you very much. That being said, get ready for the big show tonight because it will be a fun one uh, for the syndicated program. Next week on The Voice of Reason, 
for the weekday show, we're also doing something that we've never done before, which I'm kind of uh, excited about. Now, it's not going to be the entire topic for the entire hour of the show, but every guest that we have next week, we're going to do a salute to health, and we're going to talk to different doctors about different health issues from COVID to COVID vaccines to mental health for children to the uh, transgender issue for children to depression and anxiety to herbalism and holistic remedies for health. We're going to do a different guest every single day that regards to different types of health and do an entire week salute to health. And if this goes well, and if you like it as the listener, then we may continue on our themed weeks later on with the program and do something again similar to that. But I think we want to give it a try. It's In the 10 years that we've done this, we've never done anything like this. So we'll give it a shot and see how it goes. But I figured this is the perfect time to do it with kids starting back to school. Can you believe that, man? Back to school already This uh, coming up this next week in the Wichita School District and other ones around. And I figured this would be the perfect time to try and boost your immune system just a little bit when those kids start bringing home the sniffles and the grossness and the snot and the coughing and the sneezing. Yeah, we're ready for that one. Can you imagine a little voice of reason going into the fourth grade, turning nine already? It's going by too fast, although she is excited because she is ready for volleyball season. The fall is right around the corner, and she is giddy about getting back in there and being able to get back active again with the sports. That does it for us today. I'm glad you had a great weekend. Hopefully you do. Try and stay cool out there. We're back at it again next weekend for Candace Talk, also our syndicated program, and The Voice Reason on Monday again at 4 o'clock here on KQAM and in KIUL. They broadcast that one at 8 p.m. Until then, everybody, have a wonderful weekend. Let's have some fun. We'll see you on the radio.